Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, guys, and welcome to our show. Today we discuss about data. Data is fuel for modern marketing. Without data, you can't go ahead. And 10 years ago, I didn't consider data a lot because uh, I used generic methods that worked well. Things change after many updates. And today you need to know data. You need to learn customers. And I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Mary Beth. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm so glad to be here. Oh, for me, it's a big pleasure. I know it's your favorite topic. I check out your profile on LinkedIn. You know this topic well, so I'm so excited to learn more about that. Uh, before we, st- we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, and why you decided to share with, with us about data. Yeah, absolutely. So um, my name is Mary Beth Mushkovis, and I own a consulting firm called Insight Line Analytics, and we specialize in insights from data that covers both uh, consumer insights and then also digital analytics. A little bit translated down, that means that we help people uh, in businesses, mostly e-commerce and food and beverage, um, with finding ways to look at their Google Analytics data or consumer insights data like survey design to understand their customers better and improve their products um, and, and make it a lot easier to get to that step of actually improving your products with it. A little bit about my background. Um, I've been in digital analytics for 10 years now. So I know you mentioned 10 years, but we were doing it back then, but it was definitely not as much of a a hot topic. Um, And I've worked with companies like Kayak, the Travel Meta Search, um, and also as a consultant uh, for for that time. So I've been in-house and um, also as a consultant for quite some time. And um, I've really always had that focus of the digital aspect of marketing and companies. So even companies that have a non-digital aspect to them. So um, if they have franchises or something like that, I've always focused on how do you use data, but also um, digital products as a whole to make businesses work better and make it easier for people to collaborate. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Love your experience. Okay, uh, let's talk about uh, finding the right data. You know, I, I often get uh, the question, uh, even not question, uh, some quotes that, for example, LinkedIn doesn't work for me, Facebook doesn't work, SEO doesn't work. But I found uh, many uh, startups, companies usually use generic data from online studies, online tools. Um, yeah, it's good to know the, uh, this data, but it doesn't uh, connect with our uh, unique selling proposition, strong science, and many other things. So it's better to learn customers. Can you tell your insights how to find relevant data that can help and lead in the right direction. Yeah, it's definitely a challenge, especially for businesses that are just getting started and don't have giant customer databases that are really rich with information from previous purchases. Um, There's a few different ways to approach this. Uh, One is the long way, which is that you do want to focus on building what we call first party or zero party data, which is building your own customer database, you want people to be interested in your brand and give you their contact information. So unfortunately, that's like the longer game. But I see sometimes that smaller businesses uh, don't start this soon enough, and they rely quite a lot on um, social media platforms and advertising, um, and kind of miss out on making sure that they're capturing those people for more than just the original sale. 
Uh, and, and the other side of this is finding relevant data and understanding those platforms. Um, you know, it, it, there's some information within platforms. So if you're looking at LinkedIn and, and you have the money to pay for things like Sales Navigator, yes, there's a lot in there, but it can be a little overwhelming for a small business to decide um, is it relevant to do all these searches, say for um, companies that are relevant to you, or you know, should you be looking at the audiences in in Facebook, for example, and testing them out? Um, there's always just like a kind of a, a, a kind of a catch twenty two of like both there is a lot of data, but then there also isn't if you're a small business and you can't pay for it. I would say one of the things for smaller businesses is to also look at um, consumer insights as another way to understand your customer better. So instead of just relying on advertising and seeing what things stick, uh, doing consumer insight surveys uh, where you may not need your own audience even. You can purchase an audience if you're trying to validate like a product market fit or something like that. It's a really cost effective way to purchase an audience and get a feel for what they think. Um, so hopefully that answered your question. I know I, I kind of went a few different directions with it. But. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's talk about, uh, for example, uh, I want to share my story. Once we decided to consider data from our website when we set up um, marketing campaigns for YouTube channel. Uh, but it didn't work. We found that we have different audience on our website and uh, YouTube channel as well on LinkedIn. So uh, because on LinkedIn, I usually connect with people, entrepreneurs, business owners who want to get uh, traffic, you know, uh, or build relationships with other marketers, for example, as we do right now. Yeah. And uh, on website, I have customers who want to order my service. On YouTube, I found that the demographic is quite different. People are looking for getting educational content. Uh, so, uh, you know, I found that it's not a good idea to consider the same data from different platforms and i failed to set up uh, marketing campaigns on youtube uh, then we changed and found another data can you tell how to uh, understand that uh, data is correct accurate and can help because we have different uh, people on different platforms different mindset and, and something like this yeah um the first part I always say is that um, I think failure is a little bit a part of the journey. Um, yeah. And I know that marketers don't really like to hear that sometimes, but uh, sometimes you don't know until you try. But yeah, that is a it's a it's a very interesting uh, thing that a lot of businesses deal with where there are different audiences depending on how they reach out to you. And especially for bigger brands as well. There's so many um, different customers, personas when I that you could be reaching out to that you might think that one is the right one for you to be marketing to, but really there's some other ones that you hadn't even considered. And one of the ways to work around this is like, as you build your business, you now know, you can say, okay, my website is for this type of customer and my YouTube channel isn't actually the same customer. Um, and the data within those platforms is one way you can validate it. So as much as you have, um, and, and like I said, you know, some of these platforms are a little bit more withholding of like the general audience information. Um, but one way to check before you start, um, uh, doing some like bigger campaign pushes is to see the demographics information that's available in say YouTube and LinkedIn versus what you see within your, your website. If you have Google Analytics and you're looking at those demographic reports and notice if there's something there that sticks out to you that's very different. Um, and 
that's that's one of the ways where you can build some theories. And then generally what I say is um, I always want testing in all of my marketing campaigns. So I would probably, if I saw that there was two or three kind of different audiences or personas that I was finding in that data, I would test all three of them. And really quickly, you may be able to see which one resonates. So you run that YouTube campaign again, maybe you have that original website audience that you did use. And then also a few other theories, even if it's one that you didn't find in your original data, but based on you know your feeling as a, as a business owner, you know, okay, these are the types of clients that are coming to me or who I really want to reach out to. And then you can validate a little bit on that platform. Oh, okay, you know, audience C is actually one that works a lot better for me and you can run with that, turn off the other ones and make sure that you save that kind of knowledge for uh, the next time that you run a campaign. Love it, love it. By the way, you know, uh, I think failing is the part of the process. And if you, uh, I remember one quote from Elon Musk and he shared, if you uh, don't fail, you are not innovative enough. So yeah, uh, I think uh, uh, failure is, uh, you know, uh, failing only brings new experience and nothing else. So you can uh, fail, you can test, you can adapt, change approaches and yeah, to get the results. And I failed many times. Uh, I can't count how many times I failed, uh, but I got experience how to go ahead, how to overcome all these obstacles. And even more, you know, uh, people often give up, especially marketers when they try something new. And, uh, you know, uh, I love uh, building high expectations. For example, okay, I'm going to learn more about PR. So I started to create PR campaigns. I can imagine how many links, mentions I can get. But during some time, I got it. People with uh, 10 years experience can provide much higher results with PR than me. So uh, how I can overcome them for a, a few weeks, even months. It takes years, you know, to learn something new. So yeah, I completely agree with you. Uh, let's talk about another aspect. Uh, intuition, for example, you know, uh, I remember one interesting um, uh, review, uh, not review, it's an article about Jeff Bezos. Uh, once he got uh, research about new product uh, on his meeting. And um, after that, uh, people who uh, did this research, research told him, we need to spend more time to research more deeply. To uh, uh, And he replied to them, no way, guys, uh, nobody knows what actually works. Let's try it. Let's do it, you know, because it's like overlearning. You can overlearn, but uh, who knows in there? And uh, it's like intuition. And uh, I, I remember when many times I did something without research, just tested, you know, I found approaches, tested, and some of them provide great results. Can you tell how to find? this balance between overlearning intuition and the right data because uh, for example if uh, i you know if i believe in something it's in my heart it, it, because i think uh, we have no bad ideas uh, we have some ideas and it depends on implementation so if you implement execute you can get results can you tell about your balance between data intuition testing I really, really enjoy that question. And if I had like, if I could fully explain it in, you know, a few sentences, I would make millions of dollars off of it. But I think I'm, you know, I have, I have an answer for that, which is, it is a really delicate balance. And it's one of the core reasons why it's critical to have both analytical risk averse people 
and those like creative visionaries working together and understanding um, each other's language and especially finding someone who can be that translator. So there is a delicate balance. And if there was, if you took someone who's incredibly analytical and their whole job was to test and you let them go to the extremes that they want, then you would potentially optimize something into the ground or test it into the ground. And it's not actually the biggest opportunity area, especially for smaller businesses. There's just not as much opportunity for you to use your own data to test or for you to run endless experiments. You only have a little bit of budget. And so that's where there is a, a, a pretty strong interplay of um, taking the data that you have and making the best informed decision you can. So as somebody who is more on the side, for someone who's more on the side of a visionary or is going to use their gut feel, um, making sure that they are listening as much as possible to what the analytical side is saying, but really there is a bit of an art and a science to it because sometimes they're completely wrong. You've probably heard of some of these times where, um, you know, research comes back and they say, you shouldn't do this thing. And they go, well, I'm going to go do it anyways. And, and so, um, there's, there's, there is a balance there. And I, and, and I think as long as business leaders are looking and considering what they're seeing there, they don't necessarily have to agree. They can still go in another direction. And believe me, um, as an analyst, I have seen many, many CMOs and CEOs go a very different direction than whatever I have recommended. Um, they have a whole you know, host of experience that I as an analyst understand that I don't have. And so sometimes you need to trust that. And something that you said at the very end, I think is another key part of this is that the biggest part is executional skills. So even if you go with an idea that maybe doesn't have as much data behind it, but you're good at executing and you really follow through, that's kind of one of the core pieces of success. And if you're good at executing and consistent about it, you may have results with an idea that isn't as founded in data that someone with all the data behind it and didn't execute won't have. Yeah, you know, I, I found that a uh, great team can implement mediocre ideas uh, to create uh, high quality products. Uh, mediocre team can uh, destroy great ideas <laughs> because, yes. you know, because of implementation. So, and I remember when someone, uh, I don't remember exactly, uh, that was audio podcast with Gary V and someone told, uh, I have a great idea. And, uh, but I don't want to uh, share this idea because someone can steal, like Mark Zuckerberg, he stole idea about Facebook and he got this company and uh, Gary V replied to him, you know, it's not about idea, it's about implementation. These guys had this idea, what they did, you know, to implement this idea. Nothing, you know, but he took idea and could create a team and create this awesome social media. Give me this idea. Uh, I'm far away from uh, Mark Zuckerberg, you know, to create something uh, big, but uh, it's more about implementation. Okay, uh, let's talk about choosing priorities uh, or simplicity. You know, I see when uh, website owners uh, submit a lot of information from data. For example, on homepage, they can list a lot of products, categories, but most customers don't need all this information. It might confuse. Uh, and uh, uh, customers usually, uh, I don't remember exactly the number, like 80% of people bounce for a few seconds. You know, they open and leave it without any regret and never get back. Can you tell about choosing priorities? For example, if I know that my customers need reviews, 
portfolio, uh, I don't know, uh, price, uh, shipping, uh, anything, you know, but I can submit all this information. Uh, for example, if I open Apple.com, I, I see only iPhone. If a quote make difference, uh, iPhone uh, new model, that's it, nothing special, uh, and it's uh, simple to consume. Can you tell about choosing priorities when I have a list uh, of information that's important for my customers from data, but I need to choose priorities and share only important? I, I love this example because I think that the homepage is probably like the most fought over page on like any website. Um, you know, you, it, big companies, there's so many priorities, like you said, and there's also a lot yeah. of teams that have an opinion. You know, the brand team wants to make sure that their hero image is really big and they don't necessarily care what the data says about that. They have different priorities. They care about the brand uh, perspective. And um, I think you might guess what my answer is, but one of them is that this is where the power of testing really comes in if you have enough data. And the good thing about a homepage is, almost everyone gets enough traffic in there that you can see things like the bounce rate going down if you try different things. But um, I like I like the reference of like the Apple homepage. One, one of the ways that I balance the priorities when I'm working with a company is talking about what are those key performance indicators for that business. And uh, once we establish that and say, okay, for you, the most important absolute thing is like revenue and also making sure like the cost per acquisition is affordable. So that's what we're going to focus on most. So then that helps me reference down to the homepage itself and say, okay, well, yeah, we have all this information, but we want to make sure that we are getting as many people to this next step that's going to, to lead us to revenue. Um, and there's a formula that I generally put behind this that makes it a little harder for there to be arguments about what is a priority and what isn't because it's like, okay, well, if we test something and putting reviews on the homepage is more likely to get somebody to make a purchase in the end or take the next steps to purchase, then that's going to be marked as a higher priority than other pieces. But, um, you know, there's this other aspect of the homepage where I like to take as much away as possible and see how the performance can be. So um, a lot of times, when people think about A-B testing, they add things, but really the best thing to do is subtract, subtract, subtract. And that's most likely how websites like Apple, um, another you know, a good example is like uh, Wix.com is actually one where they've really optimized how the flow is of their homepage. And um, they've spent a lot of time taking things away. So um, that's one of the ways that I find the priorities is like, what can we take away? Um, and another, tip is that one thing that you can consider is looking at a scroll depth of the site. If you are only having 20% of the page seen ever, and there's very few people who are scrolling down to the bottom, doesn't matter that, you know, having reviews and having all these products on there, it doesn't matter because no one is seeing them. Um, so then that's another way that you can kind of try and put whatever is most important in the forefront and also optimize like how people are navigating in the menu before anything else. Because in most cases, there's a very few, there's very few people who will actually go all the way through all of that content on the homepage. You know, they kind of know where they want to go. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice, valuable. Okay, let me uh, quote from your LinkedIn profile. Okay. Deeply understanding the complicated flows and systems of large organizations going through digital transformation, coaching them to the next level of excellence in digital. I love it. 
And, uh, you know, uh, let me share from my experience. For example, um, I found that if I list uh, uh, a lot of recommendations uh, to my clients, you need to create high quality content, uh, take this uh, content plan, uh, create, uh, I don't know, draw design, uh, fix uh, technical errors. So uh, I can list a, a lot of uh, tips, uh, but in most cases, uh, many companies have limited resources. They can't implement all of them. And I found uh, on Twitter um, that only 40% of all recommendations are implemented. So 60% uh, ignored because companies have no time. Uh, they can pay for uh, consultancy service, uh, but uh, they have no time to implement all these ideas. And I, I found, okay, I don't need to destroy my customer's mind so i decided to share only simple tips uh, uh, more important tips because i know if i list all of them so uh, they don't implement uh, i analyze okay what kind of resources you have okay you have these resources let me uh, list these priorities uh, can you tell about this digital transformation how you can share ideas and coach your customers that it's important to implement this data how to implement them so because you know without knowing uh, why they need to do it it's hard to get results and i usually get high results with customers who understand SEO. they understand so we can cooperate and work uh, as a cohesive team but if they don't understand i don't know it's like to lose weight if uh, the best coach can help you to lose weight you know uh, he can explain okay you need to eat healthy food you need to train hard you need to rest but if you go to the party sorry i i can't be uh, in gym today i uh, on this party i can eat, eat pizza because it's party sorry but it doesn't help you know to lose weight it's the same with uh, marketing with uh, customers tell about your way to teach customers to implement data <laughs> Yes, uh, and certainly with big companies that are kind of lower in dated maturity is how we call it. It can be quite a challenge because they don't even know what they don't know when it comes to data. Um, oftentimes, even if they're very big companies, they have very small teams that know anything about digital. So yes, it, it's definitely um, an interesting area to play in. And there's a, there's a few different things that I approach in that. And one of them is always talking about the art of possible. So talking in CMO or CEO language. So I like to help them, like show them the vision of what it could be like, you know, so if you took this co company that only has, you know, brick and mortar stores and doesn't have a website and you make this, this is the vision of how connected your customers will be. So one thing that I do is I kind of nurture in the very senior levels of showing them the possible, even if it's not the little details of the true, true recommendation, because, you know, the, the recommendations end up being like, you need to implement a marketing tech stack and you need to do these things, which, you know, a, some sometimes a C-level person can just have their eyes glaze over if you get too much into those details. Um, so there's, there's this kind of management of the two layers of getting senior leadership buy-in of why it's important from a visionary perspective. And then also like, this is what it means from a money perspective. So one of the things that I use that's super effective is making calculations of like, okay, say you have a website and it only has this much traffic, but you have 
way more customers, a huge customer base. If you were able to convert X amount and your average order value is higher on web, you could make this many more million dollars per year. It's a super simple equation. It's not really like complex math and it has a lot of assumptions built in, but usually showing them the money is one of the ways that I say, this is what's possible. And then I have them intrigued and it's a lot easier for me to sit down with them and say, okay, here's all the stuff that needs to happen to make that possible. Um, and the other layer of it is really this priorities. Like obviously like there's, yeah, a hundred things that I, you may recommend to move a company along digital maturity, but it's not possible with the limitations of their teams. Generally they have very, very small analytics teams, even if they're big companies, very, very small digital marketing teams. And sometimes also, yeah, the development side is limited. So the, my goal always is to try and get them to something that's impactful as quickly as possible that fits the scale of their budgets. So even though if I had all the money in the world for that company, I may choose to do these steps that'll take a year worth of implementation. Um, since that's not the case, I will try and approach it with something that both gives them the baseline of setting up that implementation and something they can do now. So there could be like a data use case with, with the data they currently have, um, whether it's like a specific analysis that can give them customer identities that they can then use and like market and test it out and then also help them build out like the overall structure. So that's one of the ways it, it really depends on the client too and like evaluating where their priorities lie um, and what, yeah, what can get them closer sooner. And one thing that you said about how like most recommendations aren't taken, I would definitely think that maybe even less of my recommendations are taken. And um, part of it is just saying what I think needs to be said um, and accepting that some of it will stick and some of it won't. Um, and it's great when companies have us along, along for the ride for a longer term, because I've noticed that even if I don't think that they listen to a recommendation, I'll hear them repeat it later on. And so sometimes something that you said makes an impact, even if, if they don't seem like it did at the time. And so that's one of the parts is like, even if they take only 10% of what I'm recommending, that's going to make them 10% better. I love it. I'm going to steal some of your ideas. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> make sure you execute them though. <laughs> uh, yeah, of course. Of course. Uh, you mentioned that you are trying to speak uh, on their language. Can you tell how to learn this language. I know, for example, uh, when I started to learn English uh, after uh, Ukrainian and Russian, I got it, it's not simple, but how to speak in your customer's language, it's more important. Can you tell your tips about that? <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, I, I wish I could say, well, it's really easy and you read this book and then it's done. But, you know, I, I, there's, there's a few layers to it, but like to be able to speak both the technical um, and the uh, marketer side is something that like can take quite a while to learn. And it's like a really rare skill. Um, but one of the ways is to start being curious and talking with people that generally you wouldn't. And that's something that um, in digital, like especially digital marketers sometimes can live in their silo and complain about how the developers didn't implement what they wanted, but if they go and sit on the other side of the table for a while, you can learn a lot about, well, what, what are, what are their main focuses? Like, what are they measured on? And, and that was something that was 
very valuable for me when I was a marketing director at a smaller company. I was having a hard time getting things implemented. We had certain deadlines and instead I said, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna work in your sprint cycles and I'm gonna go to all of your sprint planning meetings and the development planning meetings. And I learned really quickly like, oh wow, when I ask for something, even if it's a month in advance, they've already planned out six sprints. And so I need to understand their language to get there. Um, and then the other side of it is, is when you think about like leadership, if you're talking to someone who's, you know, director and above in bigger companies, there's definitely a certain style there. And um, learning both leadership skills yourself is, is one, one, of, one of the ways. And then doing the same thing of really listening to them and a asking questions that most people won't ask. So sometimes there's this like especially in the US, this perception of the CMO or the CEO that it's they're this person that's like larger than life and it's hard to approach them. And that's not true. They're just like you. And if you ask them like, well, what truly frustrates you and things like that, you'll get surprising answers that helps you understand like what they need to hear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, love it. Love it, Mary. You know, because yeah, I, I think it's important to understand your uh, customers. And I love that you can listen to them because listening is a powerful tool. I remember when I spoke a few times with few customers uh, for an hour and uh, for this time, I just quoted a few times. And uh, the rest time I listened to them. Uh, and after that, they told me, wow, you're a good conversation, you know, you, you share a lot of value. Wow, I didn't say anything, you know, I just listened to them. Sometimes people want to just share if you understand and can adapt and convert to uh, implementation. Why not? Yeah, it provides great results. Okay, let's talk about uh, common mistakes. Can you list common mistakes that companies do by implementing data and your tips how to find much better way? Oh, I'm so excited. Um, yeah, so uh, the first mistake that I want to start with is actually collecting too much data. Um, I, there's, you know, there's this perception right now that you need to measure everything. Obviously, there's this balance. And I was just saying you need to measure some things. <laughs> um, so it's a little... It's, that's one of the balances. But one thing that I've uh, I've noticed is companies spend way more time on implementation of analytics, um, tracking, uh, research, and don't actually use any of that information. So if you are going to tag every single button and event on your website that you could possibly imagine, but you're not going to do anything with that data, that was all a waste of time, in my opinion. So. Um, so I think that one of the things is to collect the bare minimum from both the waste of time perspective of like you could spend years just implementing, uh, especially on like a more complex site. Um, and if you're not using it, it doesn't matter. The other side is don't collect things that you don't need. Um, this is something that's super relevant today where uh, especially now in the U.S., uh, consumers are a lot more aware of what's happening with their information. So if you don't need to collect something to understand your customer, then you should consider not collecting it. So I, I would say that that's like mistake number one. Um, I see it a lot if you look at, say, like a job board for analytics help. You'll see way more, like I would say probably 80 percent. Um, of the jobs are about implementation, maybe even more. And very few of the job descriptions for an analyst will say anything about interpreting data or bringing it to senior leadership. It's always about, we need you to fix the Facebook pixel and we need you to do this. So I would say that that's one 
big mistake. Um, the other one would be related, which is paying too much for tools and not enough for analysts. So this is one where I can't take credit, um, but Avinash Kaushik is the, the one who invented this, but it's called the 90-10 rule. And what he believes is that 90% of your money should that's analytics related should go towards analysts and 10% to tools. So you can see how that would add up if you say are going to get Google Analytics 360, which starts around well, 100,000 a year, how much should you be spending on analysts? And I really, I firmly believe that. And that mistake, um, I very rarely see it where it's actually close to that rule, um, but you need more people to interpret and bring those insights than you do fancy tools. Um, so I think that those are two of, of the ones. And then the third one is, is um, that we try and put together data sources that um, are not high quality. And the, when you, if you put even one data source in that doesn't have the same quality as everything else, your analysis isn't going to be very good. So um, sometimes there's this focus and it's related to the first thing of too much data where we're like, well, we're gonna take every single advertising platform we're going to take all of this bot data and we're going to put it in with our digital analytics stuff and we're going to make this data lake and it's going to be great and it's going to be so useful. But because you're tainting things that are more accurate with nonsense, um, it can make it so that you suddenly have data that's poor quality. Which leads me to, I think, one of my final um, things, which would be that... Uh, we get a little too focused on discrepancies versus just picking the source that directionally is most correct. Um, and there's this analysis paralysis. You may have heard this, but um, you know, people will say, oh, well, there's a discrepancy between my finance data and what I see in, in my analytics tool. So I can't trust the analytics tool. Um, and it's that this is something that I wrote down that I may, wanted to make sure that I said, which is that uh, you know, digital is not a, a, a hard science. We can't measure it down to perfection. Even finance data is not a hard science. And so we need to acknowledge that we're a step away from soft sciences, which is like psychology and somewhere where it's very hard to measure something exactly and let go of that idea and understand that it's about as correct as possible without not analyzing because you're worried that it's incorrect. You need to look at directional data more than anything else. Nice, nice, awesome, awesome list. Okay, let's talk about uh, another aspect. Um, you know, uh, for example, if I learn my customers and uh, they can share, uh, uh, please share your uh, pain points. And they reply to me, okay, my main points, I want to get results fast. I want to rank my website uh, uh, for a few months. I want to uh, achieve uh, higher ranking positions. Uh, okay. I, I want to help them, but uh, I can't game system. Uh, it's hard with limited resources, and I know it takes time. So I can't decide their pain points. Uh, can you tell, uh, for example, if I learn my customers and uh, they uh, list uh, some pain points that are not related to my unique selling proposition and strong sides, uh, how do you unite them 
or uh, for example how to find another way um, probably deep explanation uh, that it takes time even the average data shows it's like six months but it depends uh, on the keywords uh, yeah, it takes time to create high quality content because if you create just mediocre content fast uh, we can't rent this content so yeah it takes time just uh, tell your insights how to lead customers in the right direction if i can't decide their pain points and they want to see results tomorrow or the day after tomorrow Ooh. uh yeah no i it's definitely I, I we get the same thing sometimes and um one of the things is what you were already saying which is like setting the expectation as much as possible um when i did work more in digital advertising i remember that i would say that it's like it if even for Google ads, which is a lot faster in some aspects than SEO, it takes so much time of optimizing and growing slowly to actually have a really strong Google ads campaign. Um, and it and in my opinion, still, I would say it takes six months to a year and may maybe you could do it shorter if you had huge budgets and like really great analysts and digital marketers, but it's something that takes more time. And um, I definitely think that some marketers have done a disservice to some of these channels by saying that they can do an easy fix. But um, I think the number one part is setting the expectation based on expertise of like, here's what the data says it takes some, quite some time to build this. Here's why. Here's the key keys to the kingdom kind of. And you can get here in this time. Um, and sometimes people won't accept that. And then they're sometimes not your people. But a lot of times if they are someone who is willing and really does want to see those results um, and they, they get that explanation. Um, so you're like, well, you know, maybe someone else told you that it can happen faster, but that's, you know, based on my experience, this is how it works. And um, we can get you to this point, but we can't get you to here without, you know, this much investment or time. Um, and, and that one's, you know, it's not like it's uh, not as like fun of a thing to do, but once you get really good at setting those expectations with clients, then they kind of know um, what to, yeah, what, what, what's going to happen and what cadence and you can really prove it to them. Um, I mean, I think that's, that's one, one big part of it, but uh, when it comes to like, you know, pain points and like product fit, Sometimes I like to shift it instead to talk about what is possible or like the benefits of working with um, with me. And, you know, this can apply to any type of business, whether it's consulting like us or um, also, you know, retail or whatever it is like talking about like, well, what do you get afterwards if it's not necessarily related to like the pain point of like, I'm a small business and I want to grow to be five million in revenue after only having 100,000 this year um, is like, well, what you will get is um, maturity that's way higher than what you do have for your business. So you can contend with this big company that is your competitor because you actually are more mature and have more, um, you're using your data more and you have this, you're in this place where you can grow and will outcompete them if you continue in this way um, or whatever other benefits may be related to your company. But that's generally my approach is, is focusing on the education without, you know, going too deep and like yeah. losing my audience. But um, one, one example is that something that we did was we had a company come in and they had a little bit of investment and they wanted to launch their brand and they had expectations that they had created about like, okay, we think we can make this much money in the first year and these are our goals and this is how much we're going to do in advertising. But they're like, but we want to check. 
And so what we did was we ran a qualitative model using data from their competitors on how quickly they grew on SEO and the keywords we knew they would want to target for their industry and the current prices. And actually like we're able to model it out. We said, actually you can get to here, but this like Mount Everest that you're trying to get to, it's not possible, even with these certain mixes of, um, you know, SEO and Google ads and Facebook ads, it's just not, you, you should expect something lower. And, um, you know, obviously companies don't love to hear that answer, but it was uh, much more accurate to what actually happened than if they had just gone in with the expectations they originally had. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, uh, I decided not to build high expectations because, you know, when you started something new, you always build these high expectations. Oh, I can earn a million dollars now for, for a few months. And uh, I uh, search for uh, this issue and I found it's not about companies. Uh, customers are looking for simple solutions. Um, uh, the most popular keywords uh, in weight loss, like uh, how to lose weight, uh, like 10 uh, pounds for a few, two weeks, you know, or how to learn uh, French for for, uh, for a month and speak fluently. I don't know guys how to do it really. So uh, it takes time, but people are looking for simple solutions and the best way to get, uh, yeah, as you mentioned, uh, to get educational content, to learn and be patient because with patience, you can achieve high results. And many companies uh, usually don't serve uh, customers who have no experience to cooperate with other companies so they failed with, uh, by looking for simple solutions then they started to learn more and uh, go to more experienced companies they don't promise you know high results uh, yeah it takes time uh, Maria, i have the final question for you let's imagine you started from scratch without any experience knowledge skills what would you do today to learn more about uh, data oh that um you know i I think it would be, it would depend a little bit on whether I was going into a career of it, but like one thing is if I was, now there's actually degrees in digital analytics, which there were not when I, um, when I went to school, I actually have a degree in evolutionary biology, but um, if I was a business owner, the way that I would go about learning about data is really to bring in somebody that is an expert um, and to start building out that team and listening to that, you know, it's it's a very difficult topic to pick up a book and learn about. Um, and there are so many things that, uh, so many different platforms and, and it's, it's very interesting how even the consultants in my team, some of us are a deep expert in like three or four certain types of tools that it just took, you know, over time learning. And I don't really think that it's possible to just go in and expect to learn any of that right away. The, if I was like, say, a CEO and I was starting from scratch and I didn't know anything about data, but I was kind of tasked from the board of directors, like, you're going to have to figure this out and we want to show, we want to see data more often in our slides. Um, really, what I would do is most likely start building out a team of people that I trusted um, and start listening to them as like one of the core aspects. Um, you know, I, I think that another part of it would be just starting to learn some of the basics. One, one resource that I actually would recommend um, is there's another firm called InfoTrust and they have this book called Crawl, Walk, Run. And that's like covers a lot of the basics of, um, it's very Google analytics and Google like kind of universe focused, but kind of the basics of like, well, here's the state of things currently and here's where you can go. And, 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 it's, and it's broken down in a way that you can understand. So there are a few resources that I would lean into um, to start to learn that. And then 
some of it's just starting to to work with those teams and then um, figure out where your, your focus really lies because there's no way that you can learn it all. Um, I have a specific focus that is very different from someone who would call themselves like a data engineer and that's totally okay. So I think in this current world, you really need to rely on others um, as well as your own expertise to get that full picture because yeah, I'm, I'm never going to know all these certain details um, and there's a certain skill set that I have that there that I'm never going to be able to build beyond a certain way. You know, it took me 10 years to get where I'm, to where I'm at, but I can't learn it all. So I think that would be like getting a layman's understanding of like some of the pieces and then trusting others to help you get the rest of the way. That's how I would I would start out if I was starting from scratch. And I would probably find where I think I thought my strengths were. But um, I would also say that anyone starting out completely from scratch learning about the soft skills that go with data as well as the hard skills is one where I would say that sets you up for better success. So being able to ask questions about context is way more valuable than just knowing how to you know, pull stuff with SQL. And um, if, if you don't have both of those skills, then you can find yourself doing analysis that doesn't provide value. Nice, nice. Guys, I know one more way how you can learn more about data. You need to follow Mary Beth Moskovas on social media, on LinkedIn, on other social media platforms. Tell our audience how they can reach out to you, learn more about you, follow you. Yeah, absolutely. So um, one of the main places that I have bite-sized topics like this is my LinkedIn page, Mary Beth Moskovas, um, but also our website, insightlineanalytics.com is a great place to sign up for our newsletter, or if you're interested in a project with us, we have a request form. Um, so those are the two key places. Uh, mostly LinkedIn is a great way. You can always send me a message. I do respond if you have any specific questions. Um, and I also share other analyst resources that are my little team. So other people that are specialized in other areas. So um, I, I, that's definitely the two key ways to reach out to me. Nice, nice. Guys, you can find all these links in the description below. Listen to us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again, Mary, for your time. A big pleasure. Welcome back anytime to share more valuable insights. I love it. I'm going to implement some of your ideas. Some of them are still. But uh, guys, you can still and learn from Mary because you can see a lot of valuable insights. Okay, guys, love you. See you. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.